Warning, this case does discuss the topics of murder and possible sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 89. Today, I will be talking about the disappearance and murder of Lori Ann Sislinski. My sources for today's episode are 48 Hours, Season 35, Episode 3, titled A Man with a Past, CBSNews.com, WTVM.com, LawAndCrime.com, and WHNT.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. home to Auburn University, which is a major football school. In a college town, it happens that students sometimes may go often, you know, they may be missing for a little while, but they come back. Lori was a student at Auburn University, and she had recently graduated. June 10th, 2006, which is the fateful day in Lori's life. We were going to have drinks at my house. We were going to have um, Rum Runners, I believe, and watch a movie and just kind of hang out, do girl time. She called me around 6.30 and said, I'm going to stop by the store, pick up the drink mixes, and then I'll be headed to your house. And then the phone rang about 30 minutes later. It rang once or twice. I answered. No one was there. How many times had she simply not showed up Never. and not called you? Never. Lori attended Auburn University in Alabama. She was born to parents Arlene and Casey and had a brother, Paul. She was very kind and generous. She was studious and athletic, and she also loved her Yorkie peanut. Lori's parents bought her a mobile home to stay in for college, which was off campus. Lori majored in psychology with a minor in criminal justice. When she graduated with honors, after graduating, Lori and Lindsay Braun, her friend, both worked at a mental health facility. Lori had plans with her friend Lindsay the night of June 10, 2006. They had plans to make some drinks and watch a movie. Lori called Lindsay and said she would pick up some stuff for the drinks at Walmart. She never arrived. Lori called Lindsay back, but this time no one was on the line. Lindsay tried calling her back, but there was no answer. Lori and Lindsay had met in 2002 when they were juniors at Auburn. I remember the day I met her, we just kind of immediately clicked. I could just tell that she was a warm person, very friendly, just outgoing. Lori's mom was notified that she didn't show up for work. Lori was in answering her phone, and Lindsay decided to go to her mobile home. When she arrived, the front door was unlocked. Peanut was in her crate, and Lori wasn't inside her house. On June 10th, Lori had been with someone, a man named Rick Ennis. Lori got to know Rick at the local bowling alley where he worked. Lindsay said she didn't know much about him. But Arlene got to know him when Lori asked if she could bring him over for Christmas. Rick had no family, and Lori felt bad for him. Lindsay said she wasn't surprised that Rick was over at Lori's house. Lindsay tried contacting Lori on Monday, June 12th, two days after they were supposed to hang out. 
Lori never showed up for work. Lindsay had Rick's number, so she texted him, but Rick said he hadn't heard from her and was worried now, too. Lori didn't show up for work a second day, so Lindsay went to her house. That's when she found Peanut in his crate. Peanut appeared to have been clean and well-fed, and it stuck out to Lindsay because Lori had supposedly been missing for three days. Peanut didn't like to walk on the tile, so Lori had put rugs down in the kitchen, but the rugs were missing. Lori's outside trash can, filled with tools, was also gone, and her answering machine had been unplugged. Arlene traveled to Auburn when she couldn't get a hold of Lori, and Arlene also called the police. They were like, she's got to be missing 48 hours, and they didn't really think a big, make a big deal out of it. Later that day, the phone rang. It was Rick, and he said Lori had gone to make a drug deal. Rick also told this to the police, so the police raided the mobile home and found nothing. Four days after Lori disappeared, her burnt car was found outside a construction site. The police couldn't find anything about Lori being a possible drug dealer. They dug into Rick's past, and Arlene soon learned why Rick didn't have a family. Arlene said she believed Rick was trying to shift the focus away from him, which is why he made up the drug deal story. Lori's case went cold, and within a few weeks, Rick left town. In 2016, Mark Whitaker with the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation started a cold case unit, and he chose Lori's case as his first one. Rick became a prime suspect again. Back in 2006, after Rick was interviewed after Lori disappeared, the police noticed scratches on his arms and hands. In Rick's car, the police had found handcuffs, cleaning supplies, and a knife. The police also learned why Rick didn't have a family. On March 5, 1993, a car had driven off the road and into a ditch. The police were dispatched to the scene, and there was a young boy with a backpack on. It was Rick. He was 12 years old at the time, and Rick said he had been driving the car. His backpack was searched. In the backpack, the police found a kitchen knife, a 12-gauge, and 22 caliber ammunition. Rick admitted that he had killed his parents. He had no emotion when he said this. The police went to the Ennis home. A TV show, MPD, followed the police, and inside the home, the police found the bodies of Rick's mom and stepdad. There were pieces of a baseball bat in the bedroom. Dolly Flowers, Rick's mom, had been shot in the face and beaten with the bat. Rick said he had covered her face with a velvet blanket and put a rose on her chest. Eddie Joe Flowers had been shot in the face with a shotgun. Rick said he killed them because they had planned to move and he didn't want to move schools. For two days, Rick had lived with the bodies and went to school, like nothing had happened. The police also said they found a to-do list made by Rick, and he had planned to kill his three stepsisters as well. Rick's stepsisters said every time they'd visit, Rick would go into his bedroom and shut the door. Eddie would tell them that Rick was just different and he'd outgrow this behavior. They were killed 10 months after getting married. Because Rick was 12, he couldn't be tried as an adult. He spent nine years in juvenile detention and was released when he was 21. Back to Lori's case, the police needed to prove Rick had done something to her. Back in 2006, Lori's car was just on a paved road. Today, there were apartment complexes around it. A cigarette had also been found on the pavement, but it wasn't tested. It was sent in for testing years later. A gas can was also found nearby, and a gas can had been reported missing from the bowling alley where Rick had worked. Lori's car was found right across the street from some train tracks just near the bowling alley. The tracks also ran near Lori's house. In Lori's house, an area had been cut out, and there were black scuff marks like someone had kicked their legs out. 
The police believe Rick had stayed in the house and took care of Peanut after he had killed Lori. The phone in Lori's bedroom had been missing its cord, and Agent Whitaker believed Rick either used the cord to bind Lori's hands or even strangle her. Rick also had left a love letter on Lori's table just days before she was killed. Rick had told a friend that Lori rejected him. The police had their theories but needed to prove that Rick killed Lori. Agent Whitaker did learn from the case file from years earlier that the police found that Rick's semen had been found on Lori's bedsheet and blood on one of the rugs from the kitchen. His blood was also found on the front door. Twelve years after Lori disappeared, the police had evidence to charge Rick with her murder. By this time, Rick was engaged to a school librarian named Alana Atkinson, and they were living in Virginia. On August 6, 2018, Rick's birthday, law enforcement arrived at his place of employment, and Rick was arrested. Agent Whitaker contacted Casey and Arlene to tell them. Was this kind of a bittersweet moment for you? Most definitely, yes. I guess psychologically... I never accepted the fact that she really was gone, and I cried big time. After his arrest, one of Rick's friends named Terry Booth remembered a conversation he had with Rick about why he left Alabama. Terry said Rick said he needed to get rid of a body. Agent Whitaker also learned that Rick's DNA was found on that cigarette that almost wasn't tested. The trial was postponed due to COVID. Arlene also lost her son to cancer and husband to COVID. Arlene said her family, friends, and faith is what gets her through. Rick, of course, said he was innocent, and his fiance Alana, also is fighting for his innocence. She believes he has changed, even though he did kill his parents at 12 years old. Alana said she learned about Rick killing his parents two years into their relationship. Alana said her reaction was what was so bad in Rick's home life that he thought he had to kill his parents, and he soon told her a story of why he killed his parents. I was molested by my mother. Rick says his mother sexually abused him, and he snapped. I exploded, and the result was that I, I took my mother's life, and then I took my stepmother's Rick said he snapped and killed his mom and stepdad due to the molestation, and he said he was ashamed about what was happening in his home life, and that he made up the story about not wanting to move, because he didn't want to tell anyone what was happening. The prosecution had to convince the jury that Rick was obsessed with Lori and that Lori was even dead. So Arlene testified. In contact with you after her brother died. Mm-hmm. Have you ever received a birthday card? Mm-hmm. A Mother's Day card? <laughs> Have you ever heard from your daughter any way since that Thursday before she disappeared? No, ma'am. Arlene testified that if Lori was still alive, she would have contacted her and hasn't since that before the day she disappeared. Lindsay also testified about Lori not being interested in Rick. Lindsay testified that Lori was not into Rick and Terry, Rick's former friend, also testified about comments Rick had made about Lori. The prosecution had the evidence, his blood, semen, and DNA on the cigarette butt, but the defense claimed that the cigarette had been planted by the police. They said Lori was responsible for her own disappearance and portrayed her as a drug dealer. Lindsay did admit that Lori did smoke weed, but Lori was not a drug dealer. Rick testified on his own behalf, and he said he did spend a lot of time with Lori. You wrote a letter to Lori? Um, Yes, sir, I did. I, I asked her if she wanted to date. It would have been... 
a month or two before she went missing. Rick said Lori didn't want to date him, but they were still intimate. And Rick said Terry was making up his statements. Rick had possession of the rugs that were supposedly from Lori's house. But Rick said that they were not Lori's. Did you get these rugs? Target. Did you get any of those more? Yes, sir. Rick said Lori was fine when he left on June 10, 2006. He said he left to sell weed, which is the same thing Lori was going to do. Rick said he never had any arguments with Lori or killed her or burnt her car. Rick was asked about the items in his car. He said he was moving things from his apartment, and Rick said he got the scratches from playing with his dog. The defense said there was no evidence that a crime was committed, but the prosecution said it was laughable that Rick's defense believed anything he said. They said Rick was obsessed with Lori, and Lori wouldn't have just taken off and left her dog, Peanut. The trial lasted seven days before the jury was sent to deliberate. Find defendant Daryl Richard Ennis guilty of the offense of capital murder. Guilty of the murder of Lori Slazinski. The prosecution asked Arlene if it was okay if Rick was offered life without parole, and Arlene agreed. Rick's fiance was shocked because Rick thought he'd be walking free that day too. After this verdict, did you have a conversation with Lori? I did. I just said, Lori, justice has finally come. We've waited for this for a long time. Arlene is now very close with Agent Whitaker and his wife, and Peanut lived with Lori's family until he died at age 16. I just don't see who else would have killed Lori. Lori let this monster into her house and he killed her. He then stayed in her house and took care of her dog. He had stayed in his parents' house after killing them too. And all the evidence led to the conviction of the right person, a person who clearly had not changed. My book recommendation for this week is You Shouldn't Have Come Here by Geneva Rose. Summary, Grace Evans, an overworked New Yorker looking for a total escape from her busy life, books an Airbnb on a ranch in the middle of Wyoming. When she arrives at the idyllic getaway, she's pleased to find that the owner is a handsome man by the name of Calvin Wells and he's eager to introduce her to his easygoing way of life. But there are things Grace discovers that she's not too pleased about. A lack of cell phone service, a missing woman, and a feeling that something isn't right with the ranch. Despite her uneasiness, the two bond and start to fall, over, fall for one another. However, as her departure date nears, things change for the worse. What began as a playful romance soon turns into a complicated web of lies. Grace grows very wary of Calvin as his infatuation for her seems to have more for, to obsession. Calvin fears that Grace is hiding something from him, including her reason for staying at his ranch to begin with. Vacation flies. Vacation flings typically end in heartbreak, but for Grace and Calvin, it'll be far more destructive. Well, what first caught my eye was the author is from Wisconsin, so we have that in common. And I like the mystery of whether or not Grace should trust Calvin or not. But Calvin also believes Grace is hiding something from him. It's a test for both of them and whether or not they should be together. But when Grace learns that a woman is missing, she realizes maybe she shouldn't have come and whether Calvin was involved. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think about today's case. Do you think Rick killed Lori or do you think the wrong person is in prison? Please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com. Buy me a coffee and leave me a five-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.